podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Wednesday, the 19th of December, 2018. My name is Patrick Smith. This is the last show before Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. Well, I said no. Merry Christmas to everybody. It's not Christmas yet, but you know. And big thank you to Matt, the music man, MacGyver, for a bit of a different intro this week. Um, of course, Matt is the reason why we have this intro in the first place. And those of you that were at the throwback night, a couple of weeks ago, probably noticed that the Giants came skating out to that music. Rise was the first music that the uh, the Giants skated out to way back in that first game. Hard to believe that was 18 years ago. Um, we've got a great show ahead for you. We'll be chatting with Jonathan Furland on the fan agenda. We'll be talking about the three games in the past week. One not so good. We're looking at DOPS, personnel changes, and looking to have the Belfast Giants returning to the SSE Arena this weekend against the Manchester Storm. First up, I'll introduce my two good friends, Mr. David McJimsey. How are you? Good evening, Patrick. I'm not too bad, mate. Not too bad. And back from his uh, his trip to sunny Barcelona, and a successful one, Simon. Yeah, well placed. Um, a successful one that I actually got back alive. Um, the uh, Spanish beers, you know, pretty tasty, and didn't really want to leave at that point, but... Uh, yeah, good to be back home, and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting a couple of tickets organised for the next one, which is out in uh, Dortmund now. So waiting to see if we can get that and get the flights back and get away in the start of February. Going up against the big yellow wall. You and I both had a, a good night on Tuesday night with uh, with both Liverpool and Spurs going through. We'll not talk about Manchester United, David. Don't worry about it. We'll, uh, Pretty sure especially... they went through as well. Pretty sure they went through as well. They did go through as well, but, you know. And that's just... mm-hmm. Would you just leave it at that? <laughs> yeah, that's enough. Okay. The um, 3-1. Um, right. <laughs> we actually going to start on a bit of a sad note. This week, we found out that the that, the, uh, that Scott Matzka, the former Cardiff Devil, sadly lost his battle against motor neuron disease or ALS, as it's called in North America. Of course, he had two seasons with the Cardiff Devils, captaining him in the 11-12 season. A guy who had quite an extensive career across Europe and, and in the uh, NCAA and the EHL. He played in Germany and Denmark and Sweden and Finland before he came to Cardiff for those two seasons. A very well-liked character. He also lined out for the Belfast Giants select team against the Boston Bruins. And uh, But sadly, this week... Uh, after a long battle against ALS, he sadly succumbed to that disease and passed away. Davey, a very sad bit of news that came through this week. Indeed it was, Paddy. You know, it's, it's it's never nice to hear a contemporary passing away. You know, a young man, especially someone who's been involved in the sport that uh, that we all love. You know, that um, remember Matska and was it John Pale? Absolutely mm-hmm. uh, lighting it up for Cardiff. And we obviously got John Pale, and I'm, I'm sure and certain that we were after Matt's going to make that a, a lineup in Belfast. Unfortunately, that never happened. He went instead in Cardiff and he obviously came in and he, he wore the, the Belfast Giants crest once in that uh, in that um, All-Stars game against the Boston Bruins and it's a 
Bill sits on his, his elite prospect page as his career highlight picture. So, you know, um, I guess our sympathies have to go out to Matska family and, and his friends, and of course, those Cardiff Devils fans who'll be feeling most. Neil Francis, very, very good friend to him. And uh, all those guys, you know, they raised so much money for ALS, motor neuron disease. And in his latter years, he'll be remembered as that guy that had like an absolutely amazing smile off the ice, all business on the ice, knew where his line mate stick was, knew where the background net was. He had a little bit of everything. He would have graced any team in the elite league, the ISL, I believe, in any era. He was that good. And, you know, he'll be sadly missed by his friends and family. And, and he's left a, he's left a legacy, which is something not not every player that comes here. He's left a legacy both on and off the ice. And I suppose our sympathies have to go, go to him and his family. Simon? Uh, you know what? Davey's just put it exactly um, how I would have put it myself, uh, only a bit more eloquently. And, and uh, you know, he, I remember him playing. He's a real, real good player. Davey touched on it there. You know, um, I, I'd love to see him in a, in a Belfast uniform more than once. Um, that, that partnership he had with John Pell and, and, and he had a bit of success in Cardiff as well when he was here. But, uh, you know, that's it, such a young uh, man who's, who's unfortunately not with us any longer. And, and uh, um, our thoughts go out to the family and friends of, of Scott Maska. It's, uh, he'll be sorely missed. Described on the Cardiff Devils website as a great man, a great husband, and a great father, as well as a great friend. His memory and legacy will never be forgotten. And as uh, I'll add my voice to, to you two gents, and our, our thoughts and prayers go with, with Katie, Reese, Owen, and, and all his family and friends around the world. So uh, uh, sadly, to be sadly missed. Right, let's uh, let's get stuck into the order of the day with regards to the Belfast Giants. Three games in the last seven days, and we start with one which I don't think we're going to spend very much time on. It was the second leg of the Challenge Cup quarterfinal against the Dundee Stars back in the SSE Arena. A 4-2 win for the Belfast Giants, making it a 12-2 win overall on aggregate. Um the Belfast Giants basically went 4-0 up in the first period from uh, Jelanis Murphy, Beauvillier and Roach before Matt Bissonnette hit one back for the Dundee Stars and Matt Marquand in the second period made that two for the Stars. But that was all she wrote, a 4-2 win, 12-2 on aggregate. With regards to goalies, Craig Holland played the full thing for Dundee 32 shots, 30, sorry, 32 saves on 36 shots. Um, with regards to the Belfast Giants, it was 40 minutes for Stephen Murphy, who had uh, seven saves on nine shots. And Andrew Dixon got 20 minutes, nine saves from nine. Your two referees were Stefan Hogarth and Andrew Dalton. Um, Davey, pretty straightforward. Yeah, my only disappointment was that the, the, the goals didn't continue to flow in the, in the latter periods because... I've been in the I've been in the clover twice this week. I need to have a word with Omar Pasha twice this week. His team have uh, have left that uh, money with Ladbrokes instead of in my in my bank account. But um, fairly comfortable game. You know, game was pretty much over in the first ten minutes. Um, was well, it was over as a contest. You know, in terms of the tie before it started, and and obviously those quick goals rattled in. You know, made a bit of a. Oh, what would you say? It made it a fairly comfortable night for the rest of it. You know, it was played at a rack pace and. I don't know that there was too many hits in the last 40 minutes of the game. So it was played, certainly the last 20 minutes was played as 
rush turnover, rush turnover. <coughs> the odd, the odd shot, like the shots in the last period must have been tiny. Neither goaltender had an awful lot to do. I know Dickel turned away nine, but I'm not sure that there was there was nine shots on him. But you know, in terms of the game, it just petered out, and, and the guys got it through. It was a quick period. I'm sure that last period didn't take half an hour to play, and uh, you know, it was over. Everybody came out of it with whole, you know, no further injuries, which was kind of what we talked about. What were what both coaches would have wanted last week. They got to try different little things on on special teams and, and got to use all their goaltenders. So, you know, as far as it goes, successful night that way. Simon, we we spoke about, you know, it being eight nil and trying to be professional at this and the Giants got their four goals and you you find that, you know, Omar Pasha sees his side staring down a a twelve zip deficit of games done you've got you know just over 40 minutes to go it is just trying to be professional trying to not gain any injuries and just seeing out the 40 minutes yeah and you know it's to be honest when when you're 12 nil up um as a professional player you don't want to embarrass anybody um and i think the chance sort of took the foot off the pedal off that to be honest Paddy. um you know i, I watched the first period uh went sitting in, in the new camp uh, waiting for the, the Spurs and Barcelona match and, uh, you know, listening to Jeff Mason and Colin Shields. Um, I thought they were excellent, to be honest, but I was sort of fearing for my job. But, um, the you know, you, you talk about people getting hurt. Boxy took a uh, took a hit from uh, Richie, which he doesn't need to make that hit. You know, I think he's 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 been a bit uh, over-exuberant there, if you want to put it that way. I thought he could have just, you know, put him up, rub up against the boards. But, you know, Boxy... Uh, picked up the injury. Hopefully, you know he's he's going to be okay for this weekend. I know he's feeling a lot better seeing him yesterday. Um, but uh, you know it's it's twelve two. It's it's a dead rubber game, but uh, it is what it is. You know you have to you have to as you've said you have to play professional. Um, over and done with, and we move on to the next round and and uh, pick up the Brayhead. Oh, sorry, Glasgow Clan uh, in the next round. There's the Glasgow clan in the semi-finals. Actually, what we'll do is we'll wrap that one up there. The highlights are from Jan's TV. The comment, actually, the commentary from um, Colin Shields and Jeff Mason says, "What do you think? Your your job, uh, your, your job in trouble." Uh, I got a text at the end of the first period <laughs> from Mace, um, and he, he basically said, "I think your job's safe, mate." He says, "Hurry up and come back." But uh, I thought I thought it did really well. I know the Sheds enjoyed it, and know uh, Mace enjoyed it too. So. Uh, Deco was quite happy getting the shutout, um, and I think one of the boys actually mentioned that for it. So um, overall, you know, I'll be looking forward to getting behind the mic. I've got a lot of games to call in the next um, four weeks. My goodness, um, mm-hmm. but I'm uh, looking forward to it. Let's move on to Saturday. The Belfast Giants back on the road for the weekend. And first up, it was a trip to Brayhead to take on the Glasgow clan at the shopping centre. That was the first win of the season for the clan against the Belfast Giants 4 2. Uh, the former Belfast Giants, Craig Peacock, opened the scoring uh, 60 minutes into the first period to make it 1 0. Hunter Bishop. And Darcy Murphy overturned that in the second period to make it 2-1 to the Belfast Giants. Oh, 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 oh. No, I've, 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 why not? 
It's a 2-1 game. We're playing great. Yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> Despite the loss, I'm still going to use it. Uh, into the third period, actually, it all turned wrong for the Belfast Giants. Creek Peacock picked up a second. Zach Fitzgerald got what was the game-winning goal to make it 3-2. And then Travis Earhart fired in an empty netter right at the very end to make it 4-2. In nets, Joel Rumble got the win for the Glasgow clan. 30 saves on 32 shots. Tyler Besker won the other way. 17 saves on 20 shots. And your two referees, Toby Craig and Alan Ward, says... <sighs> A poor start, struggling to get fluency. It's just a, just a difficult night at the office for the Giants. To be honest, I thought we'd play all right for the first Don't sugarcoat this, come on. I mean, stick your sugarcoat up your <laughs> the, uh You know, I, I already had a go at Paul Trimble. You know, I know he's just, he's the biggest girl, apart from, what do you call that, all our one you used to listen in, um, um, empty. You know, the, the two of them together should just bat your house and sit and look at each other. It's... Um, <laughs> It's it, for me, you know, having a go at the players after the way the way they've been playing for the last, I don't know, two months. He needs to catch himself on. Um, I really, I, you know, I, I certainly didn't sugarcoat anything with tweet that sent out on Saturday night. No, you definitely didn't. Uh, no, and I was sober, stone cold sober. Yeah. So I, I, I happily said to his face, absolutely no issue whatsoever. But back to the game, I thought we, I honestly thought we did we were the better team for the first forty minutes. Um, you know, they got the first goal. I think Besco's going to be disappointed because, uh, you know, he, he didn't get post-to-post quick enough. He's got to give a bit of credit to, to Craig Peacock. He's had a, a difficult season. He picked up that first goal. Uh, like, he'd been scoring goals for fun this season. Uh, and then, there, you know, we, we take the lead. Bishop scores. And as you say, Murphy gets his first of the weekend. Um, and, you know, first 40 minutes, you're, you're 2-1 up. <coughs> to be honest, I didn't, I didn't see anything else happening for the rest of the game. We didn't come out for the third. We just no. didn't come out. Uh, their third, their second goal, sorry, was put on a plate by Pesco. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to have a go at uh, Tyler Beskarmani because he's been sensational for us this season. You always have a bad game. Um, I think he'll be disappointed, those two goals that, that actually did give up. He doesn't need me to tell him that. Uh, but, you know, when, when, when Fitzy scores a game-winning goal, you know you've had a bad night at the office because he's, he's brutal. Like, even um, that, but even that goal was fortuitous as well because... Let's be fair, Fitzgerald throws a speculative shot on net through traffic that just goes over Beskarowani's glove. And it's a, yeah. it's a fortunate goal, but, you know, they all count. It's a fortunate goal, but he shouldn't have been on the ice. No, well, uh, there, well there is that point. That We'll come to that in a second, mate, but go on. Um, but again, you know, the sorry, the Glasgow clan, uh, you know, they picked the 4-2 up. It wasn't a, an ideal day for us. Um, I wasn't on that ferry. I know Paul Trimble, the the, uh, the experienced traveller, was on it. He didn't think much of it, but I spoke to quite a few of the boys, um, and uh, they they certainly, you know, that's been, Adam Keith's been here for eight years now, and he said it's the worst sailing that he's had in eight years. Um, I've been on them myself when it, when it's windy and and uh, it's not ideal to to be travelling in those circumstances. And as a professional player, you're looking to get ready and prepare and get rested. Uh, you know, going over to a two and a half hour ferry trip and then a two hour bus ride. So. Uh, it's not ideal. No excuses. They played. Uh, they they came out in the third period, scored three goals, took the win, and uh, uh, we moved on to the Sunday. Davy says just made a point there about Zach Fitzgerald not shouldn't have been on the ice. There was an incident in the first period, a bit of scramble in front of goal, and Fitzgerald comes from distance. And is it is it Dustin Johnner he hits from behind? 
No, Bishop. Bishop was it, and he cleans him uh, high from behind and and, and scared of distance. No call, and as yet, no uh, no department of player safety. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. <laughs> you think it was it was dangerous? I think it's as open and shut as that. It was a naughty play. Um, we've all seen the video. We can throw it up on uh, a better quality one of it, maybe on on. Uh, it's about time we had one of those. You are the refs again, isn't it? Seeing <laughs> there's no dops to uh, challenges about it. Um, but sorry for jumping in, Davy and um, Paddy. What? Why? Why is that? You know, okay. There's two referees on the ice. They both both missed it. Allegedly missed it because the, there was no call on the play. Stevie Wonder could have seen that that was a penalty. Um, you know, you've got if you watch the play develop, Fitzgerald takes two strides to, to build the speed up to take Bishop out by the roots. I mean, that's got to hurt. That has really got to hurt an unsuspecting player who's taken a cross check from behind at speed from a much bigger boy. For me, I cannot believe that that's been missed, and I further can't believe. That Dops haven't done anything about it. That's a cheap. It's a cheap shot from from Fitzgerald. 100%. Let's be fair. It's a cheap shot from him. It's a, it's a shot from a guy whose career is running down. He's not doing too well. But it's like it's you know it, you can't be making that play. But both Craig and Alan Ward should be on top of that. There are four officials on that ice. It's not as if it's in traffic. It's not as if it's screened by anything. It's an open play. It's caught cleanly by the camera. He should be in the locker room within thirty seconds. Hundred percent right, Paddy. It's a it's absolutely hundred percent right. It's, a it, shot, it's, a, it's an open and shut case. It's a penalty all day long. Yeah, and it's a major penalty. Like it's not just a two note call. That's a major penalty. Got to come back to the actual performance, Davey. You know, Clan, you've got to hand it to them. They've just come off an overtime victory in Cardiff the night before. The travel, all of, you know, we, Sis brings up the travel that we had on the boat across. Clan have to come up, you know, the two, three hundred miles, whatever it is, from, from Cardiff up to Glasgow and then get into the game. Having just left the, the last year's champions, they're up against the, the league leaders and, and win both nights. You got to hand it to them. Is very up because I feel that um, in probably the third period, especially we we did over the first two periods. You know, we have fifty shots on uh, on the on the clan net over those first two periods, and and we've came away. You know, I thought at that stage of the game we were fairly comfortable. The first goal of Peacock scores, I think it's Kevin Rain around the back post. Okay, we're just coming off power play. I can't remember who's in the box. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, it was a jelly board and hit. It was the two plus ten. So, what, what did you make of that? Yeah, I'm, I soft. think it's fair enough. Yeah, oh, it was no. fair enough. I thought it was I, soft. I've, I've I've watched it back again and again. Player, and I can't was it number sixty seven or something? Let me think who it was. Um, I can't remember who it is. Gets hit. He kind of turns into the hits. It might have been Scott Pitt, sixty one rings a bell. He kind of turns into the hit, but jelly at that stage for me doesn't need to make that hit. He, it's one of those ones, it's soft in as much as he hasn't really boarded him too hard, but it's a hit he doesn't need to make. He goes right through the numbers for me. Um, it's just one of those, he didn't really leave the referee an awful lot of decision to make. Um, that being said, we go on the power play. We're, we've defended. PK has been pretty good. Peacock gets the first opportunity. It's well saved. And I suppose at that stage, I think it's Kevin Rain is still trying to maintain that box in front of the net. <laughs> Peacock can get the wrap around in nice and quick there, you know, 
maybe if Rainer watches that back, I think maybe I should have just closed that post out. Second one for me, Besco looks down at looks up, looks down at the puck, and when he looks up again, Peacock is just if you look at the the still frame, Peacock's jumping into the play and he's perfectly, perfectly in line behind. I just don't think Besco sees him. And he just throws it up. I think he's trying to pick, pick um, Lenny or somebody out of play. And he just throws it straight on his stick. He doesn't do that again this season. You know, I think he's just made that. And the, and the Fitzgerald's one that you've talked about. Blair Riley and I think Curtis Leonard are in between Fitzgerald and the puck. Besco just can't see it. He's got the big mid up there trying to catch it, but it's just floated in. I don't know whether it takes a, a little knock off, off Blair Riley or um, Curtis Leonard, but it's one of those. Are just There's just a lot of traffic and it's a speculative shot. It's gone in. And then we're chasing, we're chasing the game. You know, we've came up with nice goals. Um, Blair Riley and David Rutherford have worked really hard to get that puck back for for Murphy to get the second goal. And at that stage, you know, that was that was good reward. Two goals in that middle period were a big reward for what was probably one of our better uh, periods for you know the last couple of weeks. There, things have been a wee bit up and down. It was a really good second period. Um, did we shoot? Hang on, just one quickly. Um, Twenty-two shots. 28 shots in the first period, 22 shots in the second period. You know, we've gone at them despite, as Simon has said there, you know, things being against you. You've got a rough travel day. Okay, they had to come up on a bus. With that sea crossing, I only need to go down and stand by a docks and I could be thrown up. I would, not <laughs> like, I would not like to have to be on that boat for several hours. Waiting, getting on the bus at the, at the Odyssey, getting, waiting for the boat, being on the boat, two hours on the bus, waiting around for the game. And, and then having to play in the top professional league in the country, it's it's not ideal preparation. We're not not no excuse organisation. You can't hold that, but there's little reasons that you have to also accept in a defeat or in a close game. These little things go against you. But overall, a night seventy shots on goal or or you know seventy shots attempted, we probably did enough in the first two periods to have the lead. We gave it away in the third. We just didn't skip well enough in the third to. Pete and they've obviously came up with the empty net goal at the end there with with pulled with a few minutes to go to try and get that extra attacker on and unfortunately it just broke down, the play broke down and I think it's um Travis Earhart breaks away and mm-hmm. fills the empty netter and breaks a few hearts. And I think even after stayed with we stayed with Besco in the net and tried to still get a goal back, but it just wasn't to be on the night. And uh we have to go back there again for the uh, Challenge Cup semi final. I'm, I'm sure we have to go back there in the league as well one more time this season. So uh mm-hmm. Revenge will be very much on the line, on the mind. The highlights from that game from Clan TV, you can catch them on kingdomofthegiants.com. And so we move on to Sunday's game in Altrincham against the Manchester Storm. Uh, retribution for the Belfast Giants, redemption for the Belfast Giants, I should say. A 6-4 victory in what was a nip-and-tuck game at the Drizzle Dome. It was actually the Manchester Storm who opened the scoring with two goals in under five minutes. Evan Richardson and Luke Moffat given the home side a 2-1 advantage. However, that 2-1, that 2-0 was quickly flipped around to a 3-2 before the period ended. David Rutherford and Dustin Johnner were two goals before Darcy Murphy scoring with just over 16 seconds on the clock in the first period. 3-2 to the Belfast Giants. In the second period, and the storm hit quickly again. Evan Richardson once again with his second of the game, one minute and 44 seconds into the second to make it 3-3. 
But in that second period, Darcy Murphy was to pick up two more uh, to make it 4-3 and 5-3. The second one on a lovely feed from Josh Roach on a breakaway up ice to make it 5-3. The Storm hit back early in the third, another early one, this time shorthanded as well from the excellent Kieran Long, who's really stamping his place on the GB squad this spring. Uh, He's made it... 5-4 5-4 and it was just such a tight difficult game but shorthanded and empty net Darcy Murphy got his fourth of the game to round out the scoring at 6-4 regards to goalkeepers uh, Matt Ginn the Manchester Storm 34 saves on 39 shots Tyler Beskarwani for the Belfast Giants 26 saves on 30 shots and your referees were Tom Perring and the excellent Andrew Dalton I thought he was very good in this game Andrew Dalton the excellent Andrew Dalton hello Andrew Dalton um Davey I'll start with you on this one 2-0 down difficult place to go really good turnaround for the Giants they make it 3-2 and well Darcy Murphy obviously getting the plaudits for four goals but a lot of us who were there and watching thought also that Kevin Rain had a great defensive game. Yeah, I don't think this was a terrible performance. It was a, it was a good end-to-end game. Caught a wee bit cold. I think there's a there's an element in the first two goals of D-Man thinking, oh, best goal save that. And, and we were a wee bit soft and we really needed to buck our ideas up a wee bit after that. You know, caught cold, two down after, you know, no time. What, four minutes, four and a half minutes, something. and. Mm-hmm. You know, we t- took a wee bit of digging to get back into the game, and, and that's what we did. You know, and by the end of the period, we we turned that round in their advantage. Um, I'm trying to think of Rudy's first goal. We we got the I think the go ahead goal with sort of 15 seconds was after an extended five on three, and was. we really really pinned them back there for sort of 45 seconds or so. Really <laughs> tired, and I think Rudy comes up with a great great cross seam pass, and and Murphy tucks it away, and and then of course they come out in the second period and. The, the goal and equalise very sharply. And after that, I think we got a good foothold into the game and, and got the go ahead goal then on the half hour. They ended again, and, and even when they got goal back to, to make it, what was it five four at that stage? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't feel under any great pressure until maybe you were there, better talking about it than me or Simon. But maybe three four minutes to go, where they really, you know, they had to go for it at that stage and threw a lot forward. We could have probably cleared our D zone a little bit better. But, you know, at that stage, Besco was starting to see it a bit like a beach ball and he really came to game at that stage. And, you know, Murphy able to break away towards the end there and, and fill the empty netter. Just took the took the pressure off for the last 30 seconds. I think they put Ginn back in again that they decided that they'd had enough at that stage. So it's always good to get a win there. You know, it's been a, it hasn't been a happy hunting ground, particularly last number of years. You know, I know that we came away to a couple of pretty bad defeats in that place. But through, going there, throwing 40 shots, getting six goals, you know, okay, a lot scored by the same guy in the same lineup. You know, but uh, you know, Rochi coming up big from the blue line, and as you've said, offensively, and as you've said, pretty solid game from uh, Kevin Ray on the blue line as well. I agree with you. Uh, the regards to the Giants getting their foothold in the game, and especially after that early, you know, smash and grab it in the first five minutes from the from the Manchester Storm to give them that so that two nothing lead. The bit that I felt a little bit more under the cosh was having gained that um, shorthanded goal to make it 5-4. 
We subsequently take the uh, five-minute major and 20-minute game misconduct from Hunter Bishop um, that puts us right under the cosh and and gives a bit of a momentum to the Manchester Storm. And they sort of camped out or felt they were camped out in our zone for a while and the Giants had to weather that um, that full five minutes. Uh, subsequently... Yeah, Dops have been involved with that guards, that Hunter Bishop elbowing incident. He did get five plus game on the night for uh, what he did. He was sort of land on top of uh, Lyndon Springer, shifted his weight and, and, and really pushed Springer's face into into the ice. Or so it seemed from from our angle, from where we were standing, the Department of Player Safety have got involved and they've assessed a one-game suspension. He'll miss Friday night's game against the Manchester Storm at the SSE Arena, Simon. Yeah, uh, again, you were there, Paddy. The camera angle for me uh, doesn't really show much. Um, I know there's only one camera that, that that's used in the in the dome and or what do you, what do you call this? Chisel or something? Aye. Um so I know there's only the one camera there. It's it's not really picked up well. You had a you had a much better view than what we did as Davy said, but um, you know, from what uh, I've talked to a couple of people about it and from what I've been told it seems fair enough call. It, I was stood up uh at the on the back row with a number of people from Steeler Rain was there, which was a rarity back from Thailand, uh, Gav Hall uh, television's Neil Coach Russell, uh, Davy's favourite tweeter Alex Kunovitz and oh, yeah. uh, Andy and Andy Key that were all, all stood along the back row there. I think Jimmy Doyle was there as well. He was um but from my perspective uh, I'm from I'm chatting to that so it was a it was need it didn't need to be done by Hunter Bishop, especially Lyndon Springer, who's Lyndon Springer's a he's a liability. You know, he, in the first period, he took a cross-checking penalty and an interference penalty, two instances that he didn't need to do and put the chance on a power play. He's not that great a player. And I don't know where he wound up Hunter Bishop for that to happen. From my perspective, I expected a one-game suspension after seeing that. It was a needless move from Hunter Bishop to do that. And he did sort of shift his weight and to make sure that, that, that Springer's head was right down on the ice. And I think it was Andy Dalton was right there. And it was done right in front of the referee. It was the easiest call of the night. Um, it took a bit for Springer to get up and, and make his way to the to the bench, but uh, but he was all right to play on, and then and then uh, and then Bishop was thrown from the game. So yeah, one game suspension. From my point of view, I, I, I it's an open and shut case. I think we just have to accept it, Davy. Yeah, I was expecting to, to be quite honest with you. Um, didn't think it was particularly clever from the Bish. Um, big a fan as I am, you know, put us under a bit of pressure. As you just said fifteen minutes to go in a game that was that was tight enough. We weathered the storm of the five minute power play pretty well. Always good. That's a good penalty kill we have there. Touch it is. And, you know, um, well, I think we've done all right with just having the one game ban. Yeah, accept it, move on. Interesting you bring up the penalty kill there of seven from seven in that game. And says it's been excellent. Like at some point, there was a one point during that game I didn't actually realize we were on the penalty kill because we were holding the puck in their zone. Yeah, but again, everybody's banned into it. You know, they're blocked. Uh, best goes, you know, he's, he's always the best penalty killer as your goaltender. So, you know, he, he did a great job um, 
after allowing those first two goals on, on uh, Sunday against the Storm. So it's uh, again it, we're, we're playing well, you know. We're yeah, it's it's you know you, you've got it been a long long road trip. Um, I'm sure the guys are really looking forward to getting back uh, to the SSA Arena. Ten games in a row now, seven of them in the league and and. Uh, um, three in the Continental Cup, and then I'm sure there's probably going to be another uh, that semi-final is going to have to be played in, in, in the first couple of weeks in January as well. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's a date being announced for that yet, has there? Not yet. So uh, you know, I'm sure that's going to have to be slotted in there some way as well. Again, after a disappointing result on Saturday night, uh, coming down to Manchester, Davies right touched on it's a difficult place to go to. Uh, picking up, uh, I think that's our second win there this season, isn't it? Yes, it is. We won in overtime. Yeah, so uh, you know, playing play, 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 picking up four out of four so far, uh, you, you can't do any better. I know Adam is uh, very pleased in that interview with uh, you off the game, Paddy. So all in all, not a bad weekend. Uh, picking up two points um, and uh, moving on again and getting ready for a lot of games over the Christmas period. Four goals for Darcy Murphy, Davey, You know, with regards to the statistics, you know, that's. I think. I think I asked the question whether is that the first hat trick in Aldringham from a Belfast Giants player since Paul Dennison. Uh, you're going to have to let me pause and have a look at that one, Pat. <laughs> um, I asked you. I asked you it on Twitter a couple of days ago. Yeah, I've got other things to be doing. Uh, that's um, true. That's true. Right. Pause. Pause. Okay. Well, what I'm going to do is I'll play a bit. I'll play you your stats music. Hold on. Let me see if I can find your stats music. Let's see there. I'm stat man. I'm the stat man. Darcy Murphy gaining those four goals was uh well the, the hat trick goal coming in the second period was it? I'm going to have to look up myself. Yes. That was the one on the feed from uh, from Josh Roach. A lovely break up I says. Uh, Roach had three points on Sunday. Um, I thought it was excellent. I, I thought you were already touched on a pad. I thought Kevin Rain has been exceptional. Um, you know, since he came back in, I know there was a wee bit of uh, uh, grief that he was going to pick up. Do you know what? Arguably, take away Tyler Beskarmani and, and Riley. I, I think he's been probably our, well, yeah, he's been the best team man since uh, he's come back in, to be honest. You know, stay at home, uh, no, you know, no fancy down moves. He just does exactly what he says in the 10. I think he's been excellent and a really great addition uh, from Adam Keefe, uh, you know, coming into October there. So he's been, he played very, very well on Sunday. Uh, Murph with five points, I mean, four goals and an assist, um, you know, but, and you, you, I know you tweeted out about Poulan uh, assist on that one uh, for the fourth <laughs> goal. Yeah, his fourth goal. Hilarious. It was. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going through the guy's head. And and uh, well, it was a good read. I mean, you've got to be in the right position to pick the puck up. And you know, when you're when you're on the forecheck, uh, you're trying to keep them penned in their own zone. And you've got the goalie out. Um, you know, I think Darcy Murphy's done a great job there to get it down low and then you know put it on a plate for him. So great job for him. Uh, I think that's him up. David will know the stats. I think it's 22, maybe 23 goals this season so far. And, and he's well on target to beat the 33 that he had last year. Have we bought you enough time, David? There's so many questions coming all at once here, you know. Uh, go to, let's oh. answer the Darcy Murphy question first. Darcy Murphy, 22 goals. He got one as well on Saturday night. So 23 goals, as Simon said, in 35 games. 
and that's excluding, of course, I think he got one in the Continental Cup as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So, would, would they would, would you, unfortunately, we don't count the, uh, the goals in the Continental Cup and, and overall stats. Being that anybody wants to explain, come and ask me. But um, I can't answer your question on the, the hat tricks in... In Altrincham. In Altrincham, because there's a little bit of missing data, but certainly Paul Dennis had scored three hat tricks, three consecutive visits to the... Uh, to the the silver blades as it was then, I think, um, back in two thousand eleven, maybe something like that. Yeah, I think two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure it was up against uh, Stephen Murphy. Yeah, sixteenth of November, Paul oh. Dennison, four two win hat trick. Ah, uh, look at that! Knew you wouldn't Paul let me Dennison. down, mate. Well Manchester done. Finish, idiot two win, and on the fourth of October, be the Manchester Phoenix in a six three win. If we score hat tricks, and I don't have the the definitive. This was years ago but we've only lost four games in our history where a player has scored a hat-trick there's a stat for you Jacko will love that stat <laughs> um, David this is the first game of three we'll come to it later on but well, how, how big is that you know, first three, first game of three against the Manchester Storm you you have to set that marker down you got to set that marker down you got to also say that different games this weekend on the big ice um, it's diff- going to be difficult games all the same they're a decent team uh, good goaltending but we, we've been able to solve this season a riddle of scoring goals against them when yeah. we score goals and we get defensive buy-in from the guys and we're not sure who's going to line up and backs you know, with, with a dearth of talent a, a great selection of talent at the back end at the minute so see who gets the nod on sa- Friday and Saturday night but um, obviously the fish down there's one body down at the work out what we're going to do team defence-wise. So it'll be, as you've said, as a cliche to say, it's a different game. And you know I hate speculating about games before they're played, but it's got to, it's got to still go along the same line. We'll just hope, hope that Tyler Beskarani comes up big at the weekend and, and those goals start coming in from, from other lines also. I think that you know that we've, we've heavily relied, heavily relied on, on Rudy and, and uh, Murphy and... Um, Blair Riley over the last while, I think it'd be great if you know Pat Dwyer going to come back in maybe at the weekend. Hopefully, it, you know, I, I speculate again, and uh, you know, good to get a second or a third line fire in there. Sam, agreed, absolutely agreed. Um, the only part of it that I didn't agree with, as you said, that they're they're storm a good team. I don't think they are this year. Um, where are they in the league? Is it tenth? The tenth, the tenth from bottom. You know, they're, they're three top, points, three points off bottom. bottom. What I would yeah. say, to, and what I would say to caveat that, is that they're a very consistently inconsistent team. If this makes sense, they'll win two, they'll lose two, they'll win two. dangerous team after they've lost. If you look down their stats this season, they generally lose game, pick up a couple of games. Maybe that's you know that's a mental thing as well, where they they then coach they think okay we've won a few here and then they drop off again. But you know they're a dangerous team after coming off a loss statistically. They're also the team with the highest number of penalty minutes in the league with 747. Oh, by, like, what did I say last week? Something like for every penalty that we've taken, they've taken, we've taken, or they've taken three or something for every minute of ours. Crazy. I think that the, I'm just looking down the penalty minutes. I think basically the Milton Keynes Lightning are second and they're 200 penalty minutes behind them. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, they, they do have a tendency to, 
get involved, especially if they're if they're behind in a game or if they're losing a game or if it looks like they've lost a game. They'll, they'll they'll try to get involved and mix things up. In fact, one of the discussions I had during the game in 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 Altrincham on Sunday was that when we came out for the third, if we had scored again immediately, if 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 Kieran Long hadn't got that goal, um, and we had, I wouldn't have been surprised to see the Manchester Storms try to mix things up, especially with the two games coming up this weekend. But a quick note for Kieran Long. I said earlier on, Davy, that he's playing himself into a GB spot. Do you think so? Oh, undoubtedly. Absolutely undoubtedly. I think he's he's probably, I haven't looked this up now, he's probably statistically the highest scoring Brit in the league at the moment. I think so. Correct. Um, he's certainly had a really, really good season for them. He's being relied on to be a bit of a go-to guy on that team. I think he must probably be up near the top of their, their rankings too in terms of, I would say he's probably close on a point a game through the, through the start of the season. That's probably not what they were expecting from. I think Evan Richardson probably leads their, their team still in goals but you know he's, he's their, <laughs> their, their, their most dangerous looking guy going forward. Certainly Kieran, Kieran Long sorry, defensively as a forward has came on leaps and bounds and Adam Keefe and, and Oh, Pete Russell will be all over him, I would say. You know, he, he's a guy that has potentially played himself into contention. Simon? Yeah, I think it'd be a big shock if he doesn't go, to be honest with you. So, uh, um, yeah, I've been impressed with him. I was impressed with him last season. I thought he's done all right this season for them as well. So, I, as I say, I think it'd be a big shock if he's not on that uh, flight out to Slovakia, Slovenia, wherever it is, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were going to go as well. You need to find out. Have you seen it? Yes, I'm telling you. Have you seen the price? Yeah. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, it's okay getting to uh, Bratislava, but GB are playing in, in Kosice or Kosice or whatever you call it. But um, I, I just don't think I can afford it, to be honest. I don't think you'll get um, I don't think you'll get it any cheaper than including your spending money for a week. It's 1500 two grand. Hmm. It's always going to be something like that, especially in those Eastern yeah. European countries. Anyway, highlights from this game from Storm TV at the time of recording are not online as yet. This is Tuesday night. Um, if they do come online in the next wee while, we'll stick them on kingdomlegends.com and tweet it out at AVFTB on Twitter. Uh, before we get on to the interviews from training, time for a word for our sponsors. Beer52.com are the UK's number one craft beer distribution service and subscription service. They will bring you all sorts of different light and dark ales, porters, whatever you like. A different selection comes each month. This month, it's uh, down around your way, Davey. It's beers from the southwest. Uh, down in Bristol and Somerset and out towards Cornwall. Cider country, traditionally, but a lot of a lot of light ales, some nice stuff coming out there. And you can get your box by going to beer52.com forward slash AVFTB. And as we say, the first box is free. That's beer52.com forward slash AVFTB. Thanks to beer52.com for their support and to you guys for supporting them and then supporting us. Interviews, let's get down to training. We don't know who it's going to be. We're recording this on Tuesday. Says it's going on Wednesday. Let's play ball again. Davy, who are we going to hear? Yeah, it just plugged me off like he's done the whole show. So I'll just say <laughs> Tyler Beskarawani. Tyler Beskarawani comes from Davy. And the man who's actually got control of this, Simon Kitchen. I'm going to try and uh, grab Paul Dennis. Um, Paul Dennis? Yeah. <laughs> See what I can do. 
<laughs> well, is it going to be Tyler Beskarani or is it going to be Paul? It's definitely going to be Adam Keith, but is it Tyler Beskarani or Paul Denisset? I don't think it's going to be Paul Denisset. Let's find out. Joined by Dustin Johnner, uh Tuesday morning. Nope, Wednesday morning after Wednesday practice. Morning, Lost in days this week. Um, <laughs> let's have a chat about the weekend. Brayhead away, uh, Manchester away. The, the Saturday night game was a, a difficult uh, test because of travel conditions which weren't ideal um, but coming out in the wrong side of a 4-2 result um, after being in, on good form over the last couple of weeks must have been disappointing Yeah, I was definitely disappointed. I think we played really well the first two periods, especially the first 40 minutes. I think we controlled most of the play and I think in the third period we started to make some some little mistakes and they started to get some more end, end zone time and they wore us down a little bit and you know we can't have that when we have a lead like that and, and we're playing like that we have to keep it going for 60 minutes you know, that's how it is in this league if you turn it off for 20 minutes there's a good chance you're not going to win the game Sunday Manchester that rink um, you know it's 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 a tough rink to go into there are a big bunch of bodies as well but uh, you know it, it's not an easy place to go to but coming out with a 6-4 when you must have been pleased after that game yeah for sure you go into that rink you know what you're going to get you know, they, they got a team that's built to play in that small arena and they're going to you know try and intimidate intimidate you and try and run around them. and I, I think we I mean, we didn't come out and get the start down two after five minutes isn't really one you, really where you want to be but I think you know we came back and we scored some goals when we needed to and and it just shows the character we have in this team being able to battle back in that arena and, and get those points. Two points against Manchester. Another two games against Manchester come up this weekend. Bigger ice rink. Um, coming home, you've got a 10-game homestand, seven in the league and three in the Continental Cup. Uh, it must be good to be back in Belfast and playing hockey. It's, it's great. You know, we we knew that there was going to be a battle through these 20 road games or whatever we had in a row. And I think, you know, we, we'll take we'll take the points that we got on and I think we're happy with the outcome. But, you know, when we get home, we, we can't change the way we play. And we got to really come this weekend and play Manchester twice. It's a big four points for us going into Christmas. And, you know, that's all we're focused on right now is those two games. Christmas. Um, you're getting a couple of days off, apparently. Yeah, we got a couple. Yeah. Uh, you must be looking forward, to obviously, the young young family. Yeah, it's it's always exciting with the kids when they're at this age and and being able to spend it with the family. My wife's my wife's dad and his and his uh, girlfriend are in town too, so we get to spend some time with family, which is always nice, which we don't get very often. And just to you know have a little break after all these road games and let the body let the body heal and rest and take care of yourselves. I think is going to be important for our team right now. We got a little bit of injury trouble, so I think that'll help us coming into the stretch after Christmas at home. It'll be nice to get our fans around. And, and, and let them see, see what we've been doing. It's hard when you only get a game here and there for them to see how we're really playing and, and, and you know really get to know the guys. I don't think a lot of the fans right now really get to know all, some of the new guys and how they're playing. So, so it's important for us to get home and, and really get, get our fans behind us and, and let them experience just what we're experiencing right now. Adam, coming up to Christmas, uh, games are coming thick and fast too at the past weekend. Um, let's get your views on the, uh, the difficult trip over to Brayhead um, and obviously coming out there with a 4-2 loss and then heading down the, the M6 to Manchester and, and uh, getting another uh, win over the storm heading into this weekend. Yeah, the, the fair right over to Glasgow. What did I say? Brayhead. No, uh it uh, that was not a great ferry ride, but uh, look, there's no excuses. Um, we were still able to go, and uh, Glasgow had a, a long travel trip back, so there's no excuses. Um, you know, we just weren't. Uh, I, I did watch the game back, and I think that some of the the puck luck as well, um, you know, went to Glasgow's way and, and not ours. And um, a couple bounces here and there for us, uh, and it could have been a different result. But 
we had to let that one go and, and move past it because there's obviously it's never easy going into Manchester and uh, we needed a result there and, and the guys uh, showed up and got that one done so I, I was ultimately happy with coming out of that uh, with a win to Manchester um, certainly not happy about losing to Glasgow but uh, look this is a, a marathon and, and we got to make sure that uh, if we drop a point here and there that we we make sure that it doesn't uh, allow turn into a, a lull that uh, you lose multiple points so you got to turn about right around and, and bounce back Sunday's game uh, against Manchester uh, again difficult start two goals down after five minutes um, but you never looked in, out of control that game itself I, I thought that, that you, you got dominated and they got uh, a couple of goals and a couple of lucky bounces too yeah I think in, in Manchester especially you know every little bounce can turn into a, a scoring chance and um, I thought we started the game well in, in Manchester, um, and then uh, obviously a couple things go their way, and, and we're down by two. And I think at that point, you know, you can go one of two ways. You can you can stay in panic mode and, and drop another one, and then three nil down is a big difference than than two. So um, it was nice to see the guys battle back from from being down two nil to, to ultimately going into that period break up three two, and that was a big power play goal for us. Uh, going into that for, from a, a mental standpoint. So um, never an easy place to play in Manchester, so we're happy to get the win out of there. You have uh, the Storm coming into Belfast this weekend. Uh, two games back at the arena um, to start off a 10-game homestand. Uh, must be looking forward to not very much travelling down from Glengormley. <laughs> yeah, we're certainly not... Uh, we won't be upset about not having to travel as much as we have been in the last couple of months, that's for sure. But at the end of the day, you know, the same mindset needs to apply at home. That uh, it's you know, there's a reason why when we go on the road that uh, we say that it's it's still hockey, and um, they you know, you just go in there and play a hockey game. And I think that we need to take that mindset into to the home game because that's the way other teams are going to be approaching it and uh, everybody usually gets up to play Belfast so we're seeing, uh, especially in Belfast, I think we're seeing each team's best uh, at home here so we got to be ready and we got to take care of ourselves first and foremost Time for the Fan Agenda brought to you by our good friends at Belfast Giants TV. This week we're joined by a man in his second season with the Belfast Giants it's number 24, Jonathan Furland how are you mate? I'm really good. Thank you for having me on, guys. No, it's good to have you on, mate. Um, we got a lot of questions from Twitter. We got a lot of other questions to throw into the mix here, but we'll start by asking about well, the last couple of weeks. You know, it's the there have been three weeks here now where you've had three games. We've had a midweek game each week against the Dundee Stars, then into the weekends with uh with with two games, and finally you get a bit of a, a bit of time for rest and relaxation. How's it been? Oh, the last. Uh... Three four weeks have been really busy. Like since the Continental Cup, we've been uh, we've been playing a lot, playing a lot of games, a lot of important games with the Challenge Cup again. Like we, being a, a champion from last year, we want to do well in that tournament as well. And uh, so we had two game add in our schedule uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, a lot of travel going to Dundee. Uh, it's not an easy, an easy place to go with all the road game we've been having. It's been, the, it's been a tough ride, but I think as a, as a group we did, uh, we did pretty well. We uh, and uh, everyone's really excited to finally uh, be home for uh, for a month now. 
just our last weekend, you know, two games back on the road again, as if that wasn't enough. And um, you, they unfortunately they lost to the Glasgow clan, but then a bit of a bit of retribution and a bit of uh, redemption against the Manchester Storm on Sunday. Yeah, the first one was uh, frustrating, and like because we played. Uh, we played well for uh, 40 minutes. Uh, we controlled the game and uh, we seemed to kind of run out of the gas a little bit and did some, uh, a couple uh, mental mistakes and they, uh, they got the lead on us and we couldn't come back. Uh, and, uh, but that's hockey. I mean, uh, we had like for the first 40 minutes, we had enough chance to take like a two or three, four goal lead and we didn't. And, uh, they hang, they hang around in the game and they came back in the third. That's, that's part of the game. And we, uh, we have to learn from, from it like uh when you're playing well you have to not just play well you have to take in this league you have to take a lead when you have a chance and and the next day we play we go to manchester we get down to nothing right away and it was a good uh good game because we came back like in the first we got uh, uh three goals to get the three two so it was uh it was a tough start for us not that we didn't play well but they got the first two goal but uh as a group, no one panicked. Uh, Kiefer, everyone was positive on the bench, and we kept playing our game, and we, uh, we end up with a big win. And now we're coming back home for two games. Ferdy, I want to take you back to the start of last. Um, uh, as a Belfast Giant, one of the main things that you came uh, when you're looking ahead to your life after hockey, uh, and you, you you decided to come to Belfast and join the uh, University of Ulster. Um, as a, as a player who's been playing and, and focusing fully on hockey for the last 13, 14 years as a professional and picking up your pen, pencil and studying with a young family, how hard has that been for you? I mean, it was, uh, <clears throat> it was challenging when I decided to, uh, to move to Belfast to take that, that route to go, uh, to keep playing hockey and go back to school, uh, I was, to be honest with you, I was really stressed out about it. I was a little scared. I haven't been on the, in the school bench for so many years since I'm a pro, so since over 17 years. And um, and the other big thing for me was I had to do it, and I have to do my schooling now in English. So I was stressed about it. But the, the school here, Ulster University, are really good with the with the Belfast Giants with the player. Uh, the teacher, everyone in, involved with the, all the programs I've been in are, uh, are been really, uh, helpful. They, they, if you have questions, if you want to meet them, if you, if you need something, they're, they have time for you and they make time for you and they, they understand our situation. They understand that we're, we're busy about, uh, with the game and, uh, that we're not just, uh, here for, to do school, but our first job is to play hockey and to perform. So, uh, they understand that part, and it's it's been uh, it's been hard. But like I'm almost done now. I got a couple more class to to finish, and I'll have my degree. So um, I was I'm really happy with the, with the way it went, and uh, I'm still at a, like I said, like uh, with the Giants and with the university, they do everything in their power to help you when they can. And you've obviously we talked about playing, talked about studying, and obviously family. And you've picked up another role this year, um, Jimbo, yourself, uh, Rob Stewart, obviously, uh, Paddy Dwyer, and, and, and Adam is the head coach. How's, uh, how's that going for you? And, and doing a couple of games on the bench when you were out injured? 
But I mean, it's uh, after last season, I uh, I asked, uh, I met with uh, Adam, and I asked him if it was uh, it was possible for me to uh, to get involved uh, with the coaching because it's something I want to I, I want to experience because it's something I want to pursue after my hockey career. I want to stay in the game, and usually uh, coaching could be one of my options. I got so I asked Adam; it was really. Uh, uh, he said, "Yeah, no problem. We can uh, he can work with us and uh, with Jim and uh, Patty joining the group. Uh, it's been it's been it's been good. I mean, I'm learning every time uh, we sit down, we have a meeting, or we look at something, a video, or, or anything. I'm learning something. And and uh, like you just said, I was uh, I was I wouldn't say I was lucky. I was injured, and uh, I was able to to." feel the game play not playing but being behind behind the bench it's uh way different uh of what i'm used to when you're a player usually you come back to the bench you're just trying to get back ready to go for your next shift to get a drink of water uh, get catch your breath and then uh, you got to go back but when you're behind the bench you're watching everything you're watching every what the other team do what line they put on uh what kind of breakout they do you're more uh, you observe way more than when you play. I, I like I never realize how much uh, time I'm not looking at the game when I'm playing because uh, there's you're thinking about your personal game and you need to to make sure you're ready for your next shift. So it's a, it's been a good experience and I I really enjoy it and uh, the group the coaching group we have here it's really it's a good group and uh, I'm learning from all of them so that's good. Ferdy, that brings us nicely on to Twitter questions. We we threw it open earlier on, said you were coming on tonight, and we threw it open to the fans to, to give a few questions to you. And there's a question in here from a guy called Alan Durish. He's saying, what is the best piece of advice you have received from a coach? And now that you've been doing a little bit of coaching, have you actually passed that advice on to the players? But I mean, the best, uh, <clears throat> the best piece of advice I... I I can say that my coach, like uh, my first like couple, I could coach when I was uh, young and, uh, and junior. I had one coach my all my junior career, and he taught me about uh, the game without the puck. Like because uh, I was like a, I was a really good like uh, point wise. I was scoring a lot of goals, but he said uh, if you want to be successful, you have to learn. You have to learn to understand the game without without the puck, and that it's it's more it's not it's as most important as playing with the puck. And uh, he teach me how to play that way at, at a young age. So I I and it's one of the big reasons why I have a career uh, for so long because I was able to play the right way when I didn't have the puck to be in the right spot and stuff. So uh, it helped me a lot. And as a coach, I think you realize that there's so many things you can, you, you have to understand when you're playing. Uh, and and uh, I think this way that that's probably the big, the biggest advice I got at a young age. I want to have a bit of self-indulgence here because a couple of weeks ago, I think it was when you guys were playing in Dundee. Um, I was, <laughs> I wasn't feeling well. I was laid up sick and I was just, I was being the hockey nerd. I am, I'm having a look around and, and just reading up on things. Of course, you are one of only three on the current roster to have won 
the Calder Cup, going right back to was it oh six oh seven? Um, yeah. I want to ask you about that because that that final series. If people want to go, you can see a lot of that on YouTube now. And I was watching that final game, and you were backstopped by uh, Kerry Price in that in that game because he played all the way through the, the playoffs, and yep. it seemed like you had a really tight knit team that season. Uh, yeah, this uh, that year we won the Calder Cup. Like we we made the playoff. Uh, last team in the league, so sixteen team was making the playoff, and we were uh, the last team to to get in. And so we played. We had no, well, we had at the time we had no superstar in the team. Like Kerry Price is now like a, a huge star, but mm-hmm. he was just up from junior. His season was done in junior, and they brought him up to uh, to play the last two three games of the year with us in the AHL. And uh, the coaching staff in the Montreal Canadiens decided to go with him as a starter in the playoff. And but as a group, we were like uh, like a tight group. And I think <clears throat> everywhere you play, everywhere you you, you want to have success, that's one of the most important thing to have. It's the then the people inside your team that makes you gotta make that group special and it was a special group uh we play we first round we play number one in the league we beat them then we play number two we end up playing one two three four and beat them all and it was all tight game and tight series and it was it was my first uh championship as a pro uh, pro hockey player and i have really good memory from it because like you said the group the group of player inside that room was uh, was special. Everyone was uh, friendly, and I still talk to some of them because uh, most of, most of us was our first uh, championship championship as a pro hockey player. I know that in that setup as well, you could see the former Belfast Giants, John Glade, and that final, the final twenty minutes of that game against the Hershey Bears. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube and the celebrations afterwards. You go up as part of the the captaincy team to lift the Calder Cup, and it just there's just a really good atmosphere. It seemed that it meant not just a lot to you guys, but a lot to, to Hamilton as a city. Yeah, it was uh, like Hamilton has been. Um... Always like consider to to come back in the in the in the NHL. They always like mm-hmm. when I was there. They always talk about uh, going back or having maybe a run for getting an NHL team. But being close to Toronto, that's hard for for them. But they, it's a good hockey market. And when the, like during the season, we average a good crowd. But it's a big. It was a big building. Like it was seventeen thousand people could fit in that building but when we hit the playoff like some night we had like 14 15,000 I think that last game that led the final every game was sold out so it was a good uh, it was a good crowd was good uh, good time and I, I remember all of it we'll stick the um we'll stick the video of that up on uh, on our twitter of the, of the of that final 20 minutes of celebration there seems to be a bit at the end as well where you're you've got the cup and you want to do a bit of a lap but there doesn't seem to be much room yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot of people uh, on the ice. I, I think our uh, friends, some of our friends and, and uh, family, like they they got on the ice quick. And uh, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a long time ago, but uh, it's still uh, still pretty fresh in my mind. And uh, and but uh, like Hamilton, like uh, it was uh, I, I, that was my only spot in my hockey career was my. Uh, 
uh, in EH, AHL. It was my five years I played there, and uh, it was a good city. And now they have a junior team, and uh, one of my friends that I won the, the Calder Cup with, he's, he's working there, and he's still, uh, he said he's he's really happy, and they, they do a good job with it, so that's good. Fairly, you, when you were at Hamilton, you were um, you played seven games, obviously with the Montreal Canadiens. Did you grow up a Canadiens fan, or was it Quebec uh, Nordiques when you were a youngster? <laughs> yeah, I'm closer to Quebec City, but I'll, I'll uh, the real story. I was a, a Canadian fan, but the only reason why it's not because. Uh, I, I grew up. My, my older brother was a Nordic fan, and he was two a year, four years older than me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to cheer for the same team as him, so I chose Montreal when I was young because I wanted to cheer against him when we watched TV, and that's the main reason I was a Montreal fan when I was young. And I, but uh, when I grew up, I was like watching every game on TV every Saturday night. But my my father, my 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 brothers. And uh, when I get dra- got drafted, like uh, by Montreal, the draft was in Toronto, and my father couldn't be there. And when I called him, I told him I just got drafted by Montreal. It was like the best, uh, like one of the best feeling in the world because we watched them play for so many games, and now I was, <laughs> I was fortunate to be part of that or like uh, organization for a long time. So. It was a really good and uh, nice feeling. And, and obviously, you know, getting your uh, debut for um, for the Canadians, that must have, must have been a special. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. It was, uh, it was a <laughs> weird feeling because I was playing at the time. My last, two, my last year in junior, I had a roommate and we both moved move up in the AHL for Hamilton Bulldog and... Uh, We've been playing together for a couple of years there, and and that day we're we were in the same apartment, and we're doing a our laundry for the week, and uh, we get the call. I get a, he's getting a call. He's like, uh, it was GP Kota, he's one of my best friends. He's get Kota. You get he's get a call. He said, hey, uh, you get called up. Pack your bag. You're taking the next flight to Montreal. So he's like all excited. He's yelling. He's and then the person in the knows that I'm there, uh, the GM at the time, he's like, is there Furlan with you? He's like, yes, tell him he's coming too. So we got called up on the same day. And the next day uh, we were playing our first game in the NHL. So it was a great feeling to to uh, live that with my one of my best uh, hockey friends uh, since uh, all those years. And, and so we got called up and play our first game the same night. So it was great. And one last one for um I believe Matt Toe gave you a nickname last season. Constable. <laughs> yeah. What's that all about? Yeah, well you, I don't know. I guess I'm uh I'm I'm a person, I'm really uh disciplined and responsible of what I do. I always do the the same uh thing every day and I don't take uh uh, anything lightly. I try to do everything by the book and everything to be ready or to be make sure I'm ready to play and and uh, not only in hockey but in life. Like I'm really uh, disciplined in everything I do. So I guess that's how the the nickname came around and it's it stick around. And uh, it was a new one. I have a lot of nicknames through my career, but this one was a new one. 
one from uh, yeah from Toby and the guys from last year. Fernie, we'll go back to the Twitter again, and, and I apologise if I don't get this person's name right, but I think it's Taryn Mumbai at Mumbles sixteen sixty two, and I, I kind of know the answer to this one. But she has said, "Do you have a competition within the locker room for the hardest, best, or number of hits, and do you always win?" <laughs> I, uh, but we do have a, a hit parade uh, <laughs> that we get that we get on the board. Uh, Every like couple of weeks, we get an update who's uh, who's in the lead. But uh, yeah, I've been most most of my career I've always been like uh, one of the top hitter in every league and every team I played. That's part of my game, and I I understand early when I was uh, was young that uh, it was one of my strength to be uh, to play the game hard, to play it physical, and uh, make room for myself, make room for the the players with me on the ice and uh but yes uh this year i i think i got a a little lead again uh on the second uh, on the second uh, is uh, hitter and team but it's just uh more to have like a little laugh and uh, to keep uh, everyone honest on uh, our hard our hard day work <laughs> The feet on the one from uh, from Johnny Baxter. We'll go for a couple more of these. Um, he asks, uh, so again, you'll have thrown the body about, but who is the hardest hitter you've ever played against? Uh, the hardest hitter. Um, I I don't know the hardest hitter I ever played against, but the, I remember like in Montreal, like uh, everyone knows uh, Zeno Shara. Like the mm-hmm. Boston Bruins captain, and we play an exhibition game. I think it was my first exhibition game as a, in the NHL, and uh, he's in the corner. He's the puck's getting dumped in the corner, and I'm the first one on the forecheck. And my game has always been: if I got a chance to hit someone, I go in to finish my hit, finish my body check. But this time, like I was, he just—I don't even know if you saw me, but I went down like. Uh, like a peewee player, just <laughs> straight down. So it was a little too big for me. <laughs> uh, one from Patrick Walsh on the topic of goal scoring music. What would be your goal scoring music if you had a choice? Uh, goal scoring music. Yeah, there seems to be a bit of thing going about of uh, yeah, suggesting about that. There was have your like, music. Yeah. There was uh, some talk about on the Twitter about getting songs for uh, everyone, but I guess the song that when we score has been there for for the for, since the first year, so we have to keep it. But mm-hmm. I I'm not a big uh, music person, but uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, I try to think, but I, I a bit of Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I'm French Canadian, eh? I gotta keep <laughs> my heart will go on. When, uh, <laughs> well, let's go with the big hit and the after goal. No one would want me to score any goals anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go. We'll go for one, one, one easier one to round it up. And it comes from yeah. Thomas Burnley, and he says, "Stout or Billy's?" Uh, stout. No, that's an easy one. That's yep. an easy one. Listen, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Good luck this weekend against the uh, the, the Manchester Storm, and have a great Christmas. Thanks for joining us.
Well, thank you very much. And uh, we're looking forward to see all the fans this weekend. We've uh, been away for so long that uh, we're excited to be back. This is Colin Shields from the Belfast Giants, and you're listening to View from the Bridge, the best podcast in the elite ice hockey league. Thanks again to Jonathan Fernand for his time. Right, um, around the league, Dops, right, Seth. Dops, Dops. We did have Dops earlier in the show, but we're going to come back to it. Yeah, yeah. A few things to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Considering the Belfast Giants have been subject to a Dobbs suspension for the first time, first time in quite a while, um, we thought we'd come back to it because the last couple of weeks we've talked about how Dobbs were on holiday. The last Dobbs suspension was to Paul Crowder, and that was 23 days ago. There's been nothing in between uh, until this. We mentioned earlier on the lack of call or suspension to Zach Fitzgerald, but also in the game between the Cardiff Devils and the Manchester Storm on Saturday night, there was an altercation right at the end of the game between Shane Baker and Mark Lewis. With 35 seconds left on the clock, Lewis was, was assessed a 2 plus 5 plus game for instigator and fighting as yet at time of recording. And this may be subject to change. We may have, we end up with a little bit of egg on our face, but I'm, what I'm saying is current. I'm actually going directly to the EIHL website and there is nothing on Mark Lewis for regards to further suspension. Davey, there is precedent here. Well, the, the IHF rule book did change at the end of the season and, and been updated for the well, maybe 19 to 20, 22 season, something like that. And, but we obviously play NHL rules when it comes to fighting. Where there's a bit of a high rule when it comes to fighting. However, this past season, not this season now, but last season, the EIHL procedure was that in the case of an instigator and in another case in the last two minutes of game regulation or overtime, you should be assessed an instigator minor, a major for fighting, a game misconduct, so 2 plus 5 plus 20, which I think is what he got. Yep. It's what he got, yep. And also an automatic minimum one-game suspension. So based on that EIHL procedure, he should miss the next game. I don't know whether Dops need to make a statement on that or not or whether that's just taken as read. That's the rule. It's certainly, and I think it also affected us and Fife a number of seasons ago. Um, yeah. I think it was, might have even been Adam Keith himself had the fight in the last couple of minutes of the game, and he he had this as well. I think Rob Stewart actually ended up with a suspension because the bench coaches a uh, bench coach also also took the suspension that evening. But um, don't know. It's don't a know. bit it's a bit interesting because like obviously the change in Dobbs that happened last season and and the more transparency the the silence from Dobbs over the last three weeks. I would assume that based on the statement that was made by the Director of Hockey Operations for the Elite League and Mike Hicks, that dangerous plays are down, et cetera, et cetera. But then we see a dangerous play 
on Saturday with regards to Zach Fitzgerald, and we see new we see new follow up from Dops, we see new follow up from from referee, and we don't see anything further from that. Now we've got this where there is, with regards to Mark Lewis, where there is precedent from the previous season, and we've no transparency as to whether he's going to gain a one game suspension or has that rule been done away with. We just don't know. So therefore, we as fans are left asking the question: see, seeing something that's happened in the past, or seeing something that's happened right in front of us and knowing how it's been dealt with in the past and, and, and seeing no follow-up from the Department of Player Safety. It's a difficult one for us. We talk about it on the podcast because we call it like we see it, says. Yeah, um, I think the only way we're going to find out, I think David, I'm not too sure if they actually do announce that because it's technically he got exactly what he should have got, two plus five plus game. So is it, do they just go in there um, and he, I think their next game is on Thursday night against MK? Well, the so, pre- 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 previously, with regards to that, there is a follow-up DOPS announcement to say there's a one-game suspension. So I don't see why this should be any different. You're right, Paddy. <laughs> I know I know I'm right, Simon. I know I'm, I'm right. right. I'm, I'm on my soapbox. Go on, yeah. go on. But that's but, get, it out, you know. get it out of you. <laughs> well, there's. I don't think there's very much more I can say. It's the fact that we're looking for that transparency. We're looking for... You know, these dangerous plays don't come out with don't come out with a statement earlier in the season saying dangerous plays are down and showing us statistics to say dangerous plays are down when we're seeing dangerous plays happen and there's no follow up. Dangerous plays are down maybe because referees aren't calling them. Now, I'm not saying that's happening all over, and maybe the, the regards to the Fitzgerald hit on Bishop is an isolated case. But again, we're seeing it was in the highlights. It was in. There was no goal there. It was, in fact, the only aspect of the highlights was that hit. So they were happy enough with regards to the Brayhead clan to show that in their highlights package. Now the follow that follows back to are Dops waiting for the Belfast Giants to cite that? Why should the Belfast Giants have to? It should be dealt with from from the authorities, and then we've got the Mark Lewis fighting major at the end of uh, the fighting major at the end of the game against the Manchester storm. Previously, if it was a Tim Wallace previously was given a, a one game suspension announced by the department of player safety as per elite league procedure, hands up. If that procedure has changed, that's fair enough. But because we don't know, then we're left asking the questions, which makes it difficult for us as fans, which makes it difficult for us talking about it on Twitter or on a podcast, because somewhere maybe the likes of Mike Hicks is sitting there going, well, we changed that rule. Well, we don't know that you've changed that rule. And if you haven't changed that rule, then why aren't we seeing a follow-up and a suspension? It's really, really difficult for us, and we want we want that transparency in the game. 100% we want that transparency in the game. And it, you know it makes it a more open, more involved game if the fans are able. And we'll ask less questions. We'll not be sitting here moaning on Twitter or moaning on podcasts or whatever. We'll ask less questions because of that transparency. It's been a long time since we talked about dubs. I think there's something, something in the back of my head about Nene. We touched on the NHL. We used our fighting uh, major penalties. David, is that what you said? Yeah, well, under IHF rules, you fight your the game. So we we use a hybrid of the of the you know we use the IHF rulebook, right? But we I... use the hybrid little bits that we want out of the NHL book, and that that's my understanding of it anyway. The rule. I think there's I think there's something 
um, in the NHL in the last <coughs> ahead of this Ryan Reeves from the Vegas Golden Knights. He hit Tom Wilson. It wasn't seen by the officials, but the Department of Player Safety called it, or sorry, said that they're going to review it. Did review it, but didn't give him a suspension. Mm. So should that be the situation with I know that um you know uh, Mike Hicks wants to get the, the, the officials you know reviewing their games and does he review I, I don't think he'd review every single I'm, game tape sorry but, to jump across there Simon I'm trying to find and I will endeavour to find and I'll promise I'll tweet it I probably won't um, that there was a statement from Dobbs at the start of the season last season it used to be um, you know it was only like major hits from behind or hits to the head were were automatically reviewed yes um, right. Okay. So hence, to say that I think well, from behind. Said, yeah, I think there was something to be said that I, as long as they garnered a penalty, think the Charles got a penalty, so that's not reviewable. I can't remember whether the statement from Dop said that they would be reviewing all dangerous players as reported by the referee. I just can't remember the statement. We're going through the the archives here on the on the Elite League website, but I'll have to try and turn that up. That takes a long time on those men. We are just yeah. trying to get some old league, league, but well, well, we'll come, we'll come back to that maybe in a in a in a future show. Let's keep going. Personnel changes. Um, in the last couple of hours, uh, Fife and Cardiff Devils have agreed a deal that will see Craig Moore playing for the Fife Flyers for the rest of the season. Uh, Moore's been at Cardiff for the past two seasons, but saw limited ice time so far in this campaign. They have uh, a statement from Todd Kelman. Sorry, statement from Fife in uh, Jeff Hutchins saying we approached. We were pushed a week ago by Cardiff GM Todd Kelman about the possibility of Craig Moore joining Fife for the rest of the season. It was an easy decision for us. He's an up-and-coming player and will help boost our defensive core. He's looking at a bigger role to aid his development and we're in a position to help him out. An interesting move, says, from uh, from both teams. It is, but I've just, I have to go back here a bit. Um, sorry for, for trying to mess up your bit on Craig Moore. Good <laughs> move by Fife, but Fitzgerald didn't get a penalty on that play, did he? No, he didn't. No, that's, that's what didn't. he's saying. Sorry, just ignore me then. I thought you said he did get a penalty. No, no, no he didn't get a penalty. Good move by five. Yep, <laughs> I like him. I think Craig Moore's a decent player. He's not getting much ice time down. Um, is he? Is it just a loan? Has he got uh, just contract situation with Cardiff, or is it a, a total move up? His contract's bought out. I'm create. I'm looking for. It doesn't say loan. It just says agreed a deal with that will see him play for the Flyers for the rest of the season. I think it's a good move. I like him. I think he's a good player. Um, regards to the other personnel changes, John Armstrong is back in Sheffield. Obviously, the we saw uh, Medvedskak Zagreb play in the Continental Cup earlier in the season against the Belfast Giants. They've went through significant uh, financial problems that has seen Sebastian Silvestre even join the Cassell Huskies in DEL2. And now John Armstrong back in Sheffield. Davy, interesting from Sheffield, they seem to be trying to wind the clock back and, and bring in players that were previously successful for them. That's Vesterling back, that's Nielsen back from MK, now John Armstrong back from Sheffield. Armstrong, I don't think that's that's a, that's a move from the Sheffield Steelers rather than it being a move from Tom Barrasso. Well, yeah, you also know probably what you're going to get and goalies beware, I suppose, would come with that as well. Um, <laughs> look, you go to people that have been successful when you're in trouble, you know, when the Sheffield Steelers are doing everything they can to try and climb the ladder. And uh, at the end of the day, if they have, there's people that are available there to, to try and help them do that, then 
one that's one foot in the wrong of, of success, I suppose. <laughs> uh, interesting, <laughs> in, interesting results from around the league. Um, well, I think the most interesting one came in. Uh, I was going to say Ice Arena Wales, but um, I saw on Twitter a lot of Cardiff Devils fans getting very upset for some reason. Was well, Twitter? People are getting upset over the last couple of weeks over absolutely nothing. But uh, I see that they got upset at people calling it Ice Arena Wales. It's now called the Viola Arena. Uh, but the clan went into the Viola Arena in the second leg of the Challenge Cup quarter final and. Subsequently, knocked the Cardiff Devils out of the Challenge Cup with a shorthanded overtime winner by Manny Haywood. Um, the Devils have been finalists in the Challenge Cup for the past four seasons. Of course, the Belfast Giants beat them on that very ice in the Challenge Cup final back in March. Uh, Davia drew a very angry Andrew Lord. Hey, yeah, coach wasn't happy at all, was he? And the explosion continued on Facebook. Lots of wailing and gnashing of teeth, and people renewing season tickets and people won't be back in Ice Arena Wales this season. Um Are you upset you want to upset Devils fans of that man? Very very probably the easiest to upset fan base out there would that be fair Yeah, probably. Oh yeah, I think that's a fair comment. I remember back clearly us being in the big blue tent pal I do remember Stevie Lyle and <laughs> and us giving Stevie Lyle the absolute dog and uh didn't Cardiff pop one in and this Quite elderly lady, but it turned out to be not quite such a lady after all. <laughs> she came Jumped right up over and it, right over us. Yeah, <laughs> there's no, she was ripping. But yeah, that was uh, that was a funny night we went. But um, it's uh, you know, all's not well down there. Still a good hockey team, still right up at the top. I don't, I don't get the, you know, those you see those tweets that haven't aged well at all about you know we could compete with the NHL teams and. We're bored because you know we can't get a team to you know get running rough shot. Right, yeah. so um, it's always good to be pegged back a little bit. It does nothing, no harm for for a locker room or an organisation. Just to remember that it's a competition, and you've yeah. got to go out there and put hundred percent in every night in this league against absolutely every team, or you end up on the end of a thumping. We've added ourselves over the last you know few weeks. Keep going in the Dundee. Beating the mate nil, going in a couple of weeks later, getting hammered. It's a different game if you don't skate your swingers off every single night. 100%. Um, next point on my agenda is one I like to talk about, which is a disaster when it comes to a teddy toss. The teddy toss, as we know, is a fantastic initiative, especially coming up to Christmas time. But when it also has its pitfalls when it comes to teams trying to execute it properly. We saw what happened to the Nottingham Panthers only a few weeks ago. Um, regards to them throwing it in, what, 10 minutes before the end of the game. Um on Sheffield uh, over the weekend, they had a game against the Coventry Blaze where they were shut out. Never good when it comes to the Teddy Toss night. However, they thought they'd scored at one point, but it was a fantastic save by the returning goalkeeper, Capriva. The red light went on, um, but the referee waved it off pretty quickly. That didn't stop the Teddies from raining down, says. Yeah, um, it was a, you touched on a party. It was an absolute brilliant save uh, by Capriva. Um, and the referee was right there, one hundred percent right decision. Um, and uh, well, you know, it would have been nice to see them wait until the end of the game and, and having to throw it on with a shutout, which they obviously did get a shutout. Congratulations to Copley for that. But I, I, I'm absolutely convinced there's, there's teams out there that really do raise their game 
Um, for the Teddy Toss, that are coming into an arena where they know there's going to be a Teddy Toss, they don't want those teams scoring their goals. And But I, I'm pretty sure if somebody started, even halfway through the first period, and one person threw a Teddy under the ice, even during the bloody play, the next thing you know, you're going to get 1,500, 2,000 Teddy Bears getting thrown on, but it just takes one person to do it. So it's great to see them getting shut out. Um, and even more... Entertaining for me is as Dave Sims interviews with Tom Barrasso. <laughs> class. Barrasso takes no nonsense, does he? He, he takes absolutely none of it, and uh, uh, and for a play to him, I, I think Tom Barrasso is brilliant. <laughs> My favorite one this week was um, I think Sims asked him, "Do you feel it was unfair? It would be unfair to say that our offense isn't clicking at the minute." And Barrasso goes, "I think that would be very unfair. We've been scoring loads of goals just from." Knock, knock that nonsense yeah. out of the park. But yeah, I've, I've actually quite liked Barrasso. His approach to, he, he speaks very well. He speaks very professionally and he takes no nonsense when it comes to those interviews. And, you know, we just hope he doesn't win that much. Um, Dundee, the revival continues. They had an overtime win against the Nottingham Panthers and followed that up with a 5-2 win in Coventry, two games on the road. They did have a 3-0 shutout against them to MK, which was sandwiched by those two. But uh, but Pash has got the... Uh, let me look at the league table. I think Pash has got them right up in the sixth. Sixth, is it? Phenomenal yeah. by him. I think it's really, really good. Um, Nottingham, they're struggling... Dundee, as I said, beat them in overtime and then Guilford went in and thumped them and Chernomaz is not very happy. Um, any he comments? Rick's back about to do the interview. He, what, did he? No, he didn't. Yeah. Did he? I think he did. Eh? I thought I saw an interview from him where he was saying he thought they were rubbish. There was one of the games he definitely sent Rick's back about. Ah, right. Okay. That's, a, that's an old move from Corey Nielsen. He used to Who? do that. Corey Nielsen, man, he's in Germany. He used to do that all the time. Did you, did you see that uh, Joanne Nielsen's tweet? Yes, about how she wasn't happy with the Nottingham Panthers yeah. fans or she hasn't set foot back in the arena. Fair play to her. I think she's 100% right. It comes from uh, back of, and probably comes on to the next bit in regards to Twitter sensitivity. We've had a few uh, fan bases go nuts about comments on Twitter from the likes of Mika Weekman and, uh, and David Rutherford. And, um, but also, you, there was a, a remark by Jeff Hutchins that was talking about how well Fife are doing and, and sort of throwing it back at the fans who have been negative towards the Fife Flowers, Davey. It's, Twitter's, a, Twitter's a difficult beast. It's a goldfish bowl. It's a magnifying glass too on everything, isn't it? People can literally and do often say what they want without very little fear of, you know, reper- repercussions or anything, you know what? At times, I find the best thing to do. I, I, I tweet much less than I once did. Not that I was ever a prolific tweeter, but certainly in the event of a Belfast Giants defeat, I find the best situation just to switch your phone off until the next day. And if you're going to say something, try and make it constructive and try and make it based on not on a knee-jerk reaction. Especially, I find frustrating, you know, aggressive comments from people that I haven't actually seen the game. They've maybe seen a few comments from somebody else's and they take those comments and make them their own and tune them up and you know make them even nastier. There's there's at the end of the day, these guys are doing a job. Their families don't want to see their family abused. They also know that they live in the public eye, but they're not here making you know, they're not NHL money. You know, you can live with the abuse because you're sleeping on a bed of fifty dollars, you know, fifty dollar notes. You know, these guys are doing it for for the love of the game, a lot of the guys. 
for the love of the game and they're not certainly not doing it for playing points a lot of them careers winding down or you know just trying to get a foot into into europe so you know i i think personal abuse but we also talked about joanne Nielsen's comments and, and her saying about you know people don't know what's going on and they shoot from the hip yeah but that's because you know, especially in places like Nottingham, everything is so stage managed. Nothing is given out to the fans. The fans, therefore, have to speculate, and, and then anger rises with speculation and things. So, you know, there's something to be said for allowing a little bit of access and letting people know what's going on a little bit. You know, you close the doors completely, then you just you leave yourself open to speculation. And you have to live with the the angst that comes along with that. Not saying I agree with it, just saying that's how I feel it goes. I think that's a great point in regards to that. I think it's, you know, we've, we're very lucky, as, as we know, with regards to the access that the Belfast Giants gave us, <coughs> sorry, give us, and, 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 and how much they let us, you know, talk about or, you know, what sort of, you know, where we've just had Jonathan Ferland on talking about what's going on in regards to the guys, how the atmosphere in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that sort of access, that sort of insight, calms the likes of people making any sort of speculation and it's it, it's it's like I say it's a closed shop in the likes of nottingham so therefore people just say well they want nothing but our money because they never really hear from gary moran or, or they only hear from rich Sherman as when it comes to post game they don't really see any of the machinations that go on behind the scenes and and therefore without that information without any sort of guideline without any sort of info behind the scenes you as you say davy speculation grows and people latch onto that and and it builds and then anger builds when you're not winning games and and people put two and two together get five and it just gets worse and worse um i'm not really going to give any sort of uh, sermon on, on Twitter from my point of view because uh, I don't think I've got the right to. Um, the, I enjoy Twitter, but then it's uh, from especially from the last couple of days, people get really upset over other people's opinions or tweets as if they actually matter. You know, yes, I, yes. Sometimes if you're being overly vitriolic or if you are being actually abusive. And there are there there are laws against it. You know there there is a line that you don't cross. However, when it comes to certain aspects of it and certain comments, people get really upset over just people's opinions, and as if as if those opinions, because you put them on Twitter, they actually matter. They don't. You know, I can understand why people got upset by what um, David Rutherford said. I didn't personally think it was a good thing to say. He's put it down to being a bet from Tyler Beskarowani. If that's true, whatever, that's great. But I, I can see why people got upset over it, but it's just his opinion. You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to change mm. things. It's not going to bring the Edinburgh Capitals back. I agree with you. I think from that point of view, um, you know, Rudy gets accused plenty of being a bit of a rink rat or whatever, but he's our rink rat and we'll have to stick up for him. But on this occasion, I think that he's crossed a little line that he shouldn't have there. I think the tweet's been deleted. Lesson learned. You know, I don't think he'll be tweeting something like that again. The other side of it being you've got like some Mika Weekman who tweets a picture of a back alley in Coventry compared to a picture of I don't know where he is, somewhere nice and sunny with the sea and palm trees from this and it's like you know, from one to the other and it's just set the Coventry Blaze fans alight. There are videos, there are memes, <laughs> yeah. there are basically just you know, one guy uh, one guy couldn't spell the word sieve, so he tried to type in colander and he misspelled colander but still took a uh, still took a uh, picture of it. And uh, compared that to Weekman with Copper Eva being a brick wall, but it set the Coventry Blaze fans alight. 
constant. It's like been the last two days where they've just been nothing but just getting angry at him. And um, you know, a round of applause for me. I love a good bit of trolling, but that's yeah, I think that's a standard. Vika Meekman. Vika Meekman. Vika Meekman. Vika Meekman. Vika Meekman's tweet is just, it's one of those I want to stand and applaud. It's quality, high quality trolling at its very best. It even got Rob Plester all bent out of shape and he was, you know, from this to this. I think it was 5 3 up to 6 5 down or whatever, you know. It made a video. It made a pretty video. Good, made a pretty, video good come, pretty good comeback, but um, it was top entertainment when there wasn't much. That's yeah, I have to admit, like I liked uh, Vikings uh, tweet and um, and he's moved, isn't it? He's gone to France, isn't it? Is he? Is it? Is it on Mien or Anglais? I'm not too sure. He's definitely went to France anyway. But um, I thought it was class. I have to admit, like I mean, I, I think you'd be pretty jealous of that one, Paddy. Massively, man. Massively, I thought it was absolute <laughs> gold standard trolling, and I, and I take my hat off to him. Well done, Mika Beekman. Right, um, quick look at the league table. Can, can, we... I, just, can I just say something for Big Rudy? Okay. Um, again, I, I absolutely agree with Dave. I think Rudy stepped over the line there, and I think we down. Um, you know, I always enjoyed my trips to, to uh, Murrayfield, and I was disappointed to see. I, I don't want any club going out of business. Um, I'd like to see the, the elite, they get the 12, well, sorry, 14, 16, 18 teams. Um, and to do that, we, we need to keep a hold of the teams that we have. Yes, they always struggled. Maybe had a few problems with getting paid from, uh, from, from yesteryear over in, in, uh, um, in Edinburgh. But, you know, I, I think it, it, he's, he's looked at that. Did Besco say that to him? I highly doubt it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that he's, I think he is out of order there. Um, see, and, Okay, I'm going to say, you know, I agree with you, right? I've seen friends in, in Newcastle when I lived up in Newcastle. I worked with the, the Newcastle Vibos up there. I was sad to see them go out of business and sad to see them not in the league. Likewise, I'm sad to see that the, uh, the, the Adam Cabells aren't part of the league, but, you know, let's, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. The Edinburgh Capitals were not, were a little more than make wits as the time were going on. They were never really challenging. They were at the bottom of the league. It was, it, the, the writing was on the wall, but, David Rutherford's tweet, his opinion, if it is his opinion, it doesn't matter. It's not going to change things. It's just his opinion. He's voiced it. Okay. But what, maybe it's just me because I am that sort of attitude of, you know, I, I, I say what I want. I don't really care, but it's, I don't, I don't see, I can see why people would might get a bit upset and his, his, maybe his reputation precedes him and he has taken it down. But personally, what are his words? What are his opinions going to change? Nothing. I, no, I guess. I guess I agree with that to an extent. However, there's a difference between you, me, or Simon sitting down and typing that tweet, and someone who's actually a paid employee of a team within the league. It's a, the kind of you know a fan throws a coin on the football pitch. Player can't pick it up and throw it back. You know, it's just one of those. Kind of you're yeah, exactly. And then you get then you get done for it. So you know. Um, that's who I was thinking of, actually. Um, but um, surprise, the Scouser just didn't put it in their pocket. Um, <laughs> but, um, three one, David. Three one. That, 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 it's a three one game. For doing that. <laughs> um, that being said, just uh, my, my point would be, you know, I expect perhaps higher standards. I, I think you're right, David. I, I think you're right. But... Represent our team. Yeah, I think you're 100. percent That's that's what one of the points I was going to raise up. The second part of it. And again, I didn't see all the, the tweets that he got back because 
I I'm not Paddy Smith. I don't troll. Um, the, <laughs> well, well, the one I thing I would I did see a few tweets, and some of the tweets that I seen that he was getting back from other fan bases, some of them were Capitals fans from yesteryear, were bang out of order. I mean, They're some right. of the ones that were coming in were people were you know, some of the stuff that was being said. I, I just think that they need to, as you say, Paddy. Yes, it's an opinion, and I give my opinion at, um, of Saturday night after seeing a tweet from Paul. Uh, Trimble, and I think I'm 100% right in what I said. I, I think there was a few people that, that agreed with me. Paul doesn't agree with me, but I, do you think I, do I, do I think that he lost any sleep over I doubt it. I didn't lose any sleep over what he said, but some of the stuff that was being pointed at Rudy for the comment that he did make, yes, misjudged, yes. I know the boys were out on a um, on their Christmas dinner last night, so you know they, uh, they would have had a drink or two. That's fine. I, I understand that. And I'm taking that into consideration. But the comments that were made against Rudy and his character and maybe the shape of him, the type of player, can't knock that you play the way he's playing at the minute. He's playing excellently. Um, Second top scorer in the league. You know, he's top league point scorer for the Giants uh, so far this season, 37 points. Uh, But I think think some of the people need to take a good look at themselves because they're bang out of the order. Let's have a quick look at the league table. As I, I had it there, but I've, oh, here it is. Belfast Giants still top of the table, 42 points from 28 games. However, Cardiff in second place have enough games in hand to overhaul should they win those. But as we all know, better to have the points in hand than the games. Uh, Cardiff, 25 games, 38 points. Nottingham Panthers have played 30 games with 38 points and five twenty-seven games and 34. Guildford have got themselves up to fifth. 26 games, 29 points. And Omar Pasha's Dundee Stars have gone from second from bottom to sixth place in the league. Well done to them. 28 games, 28 points. They are ahead of the Sheffield Steelers uh, who played 27, 27 games, 26 points. Then the Glasgow clan, Coventry Blaze, the Manchester Storm, second from bottom, 27 games, 23 points. And the MK Lightning, 26 points. Sorry, I say 26 games played, 20 points. Um, right, and we look ahead to this weekend as Belfast invades Manchester to watch a giant of Belfast take on Warrington. Uh, the only team with a Warrington postcode are travelling from Manchester to Belfast to take on the Belfast Giants. Do you like that link? The um, work it out for yourselves. The Belfast Giants take out the Manchester take on the Manchester Storm on Friday and Saturday night at seven p.m. Uh, both games at the SSE Arena, and of course, if you can't make it. You can see them on Belfast Giants TV. Let's have a let's have a wee chat. Um, well, a chat I didn't think we'd have on the podcast, but there's a first time for anything. Let's have a wee chat. Uh, Joel Neal ca- caught up with Ryan Finnerty. I am joined now by a man who has uh, gotten under the skin of many a Belfast Giants fan throughout the years, and trust me, that is a compliment. The head coach of the Manchester Storm, Mister Ryan Finnerty. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're hanging in there. Uh, listen, thank you for taking the time out to speak uh, with us, especially such a busy time of year. Uh, how's the Christmas shopping going? Are you ready to go? You know what? I'm actually way ahead of where I normally <laughs> normally on this belt. This Belfast trip has kind of put me off, put me on the back burner. I usually I usually cram it on the 24th, but uh, 
I, got, I had to get a little proactive here. Yeah, that's my tactic as well. Uh, rest assured, there's plenty of good spots in Belfast if you have any emergencies. But um, listen, let's let's get to it. Um, before we start, uh, if you don't mind, I would just like to touch on, on the extremely sad news of Scott Matzka's passing this week. Uh, it's something that's united the hockey world in a sort of a shared sense of grief. Uh, you and Scott played together in Cardiff, and I would just like to ask about your memories uh, of an absolutely remarkable human being. Yeah, he's... Uh... There's there's not too many guys that were like Scott Matzka, just the way he carried himself, conducted himself. He was uh, he, he had such a dry sense of humor, um, and he was he was always right. And uh, and even if he wasn't right, he'd he'd, he'd, he'd be there for hours, <laughs> defending your position that you came up because you could never beat him. He's just one of those guys, very very headstrong and very committed, great family guy, uh, unbelievable professional. You know, he was always in great shape. Yeah, just um, everything he did, he just, you know, he did it 185%. He, he did it harder and better than anyone else. And, you know, he was just, he was kind of a, a um, such a big character. And then, you know, obviously when when we got the news years ago that, that he um, that he got ALS and contracted, you know, diagnosed with ALS, it was, uh, it was pretty alarming. You know, it was, it was scary because he always held, he always held Matt's as such a, high esteem he was just such a powerful guy yeah uh and then of course you know it just made perfect sense that uh, when he did get diagnosed that that he came up with my turn and you know that was just such a scott match good thing to do that even even in the even when he was faced with such adversity he was he was you know still kicking ass and uh and the amount of money they raised and, and all the awareness it, it's it it's too bad that you know these things happen and yeah, definitely a, a sad way when I when I found out. I think was it Friday. I think we found out. Yeah. Uh, Friday, you know. Yeah, just it can happen to anyone, hey. And, yeah, that's you it. Know, when you're, you're, you're you play with a guy and you battle with a guy, and then you see that. So our our, our heart goes out to his family at, at this difficult time. But they're they're such a, a, a beautiful, great family. I know that they'll get through this. Yeah, those are great words. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I guess if there's one thing I've been reminded of this week, it's to sort of treasure each day that you're given and, and to do what you love. So uh, with that said, how about we move on and talk about some hockey? Um, the, the, the games versus the Giants uh, and the Storm uh, so far this season have been feisty encounters, uh, including an absolute barn burner, which ended in an overtime defeat. Um, despite the results not having gone your way, there's the sense in Belfast that this season uh, facing the Storm is a tough night at the office. How have preparations been going for a big weekend in Belfast? Belfast, and what are your thoughts on the upcoming two-game series? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously they're a great team. Um, you know, I thought I thought we had a real good opportunity uh, on Sunday uh, or Saturday, sorry, um, or Sunday, sorry, uh, to to pounce on them. You know, I think they're they had some injuries. They're they're coming off a bit of a, a trip, and you know, they uh, they found a way to win, and that's what good teams are doing, and, and Kiefer's definitely got them doing that, and, you know, it was a, a big lesson for our, our group to, you know, we you get a team down 2 nothing, you can't let them back in the game, and we didn't have a, a great showing, so, you know, we, we want to come into into Belfast, we want to come confident, you know, we, our, we had a big, big win in Glasgow, lost them on the road, and we want to take that into into a building where we got to go back to back and and believe it or not I've never I don't think I've ever had a back to back games in in uh, Belfast really? in my coaching okay. career okay. maybe once yeah maybe once yeah so it's a bit unique to to get two uh, two chances at them but it's exciting I know we're bringing a lot of fans over and 
uh, it's an exciting time of year, and you know, to to be playing in, in, in that that building's fantastic. It'll be great for our new guys to to see it and experience Ireland. And yeah, so we we got a lot of positives going over. I think guys are guys are excited about it, and um, you know, we just got to we got to put sixty minutes together on Friday and follow it up with uh, a good performance on Saturday. There's definitely a lot of excitement over here ahead of the series. Um, Manchester in general, I, I feel, is, is a team known for its physicality this season. You know, you, you won't be pushed around. Is that something that you set out to recruit or, or impose on the league this year, or has it come just just come about uh, with the group of fellas that, that ended up in your locker room? Um, I think. I think our, I mean, from the moment we stepped into Manchester, I think we had an idea of how we wanted our teams to play last year. I think resembled that the the league's changed, obviously the way the officiating's going now, and and you know you can't, you, you almost can't play that physical. And but in our rink, you know, it just doesn't make sense to, you know, we play in a phone booth, and it doesn't make sense to have small guys that can't compete on the puck. And yeah. you know, we need we wanted that that heavy side that can get to the net and. You know, in, in Ultram, everything happens so quick, and if you can get inside and you can get good position in front of the net, you can have pretty good success. And and, and in fairness, even though our season hasn't been great this year, we've we've done real well at, at the shelter. I think we're top two or three in the league as far as home wins. You know, so the it's working at home. We just got to take it on the road, and and we got to find some consistency. In, what's a tough league this year. Yeah, that, that small ice pad is definitely daunting for, for teams like the arena, teams like the Giants, the Panthers, whatever else. But, I mean, you mentioned the, the, the league so far this year. It's, a, it's an exciting table. You know, you're currently sitting 10th. However, it reads a lot worse than it actually is. You know, if you look at it, the Storm currently sit six points or three well-placed wins off fifth place. It's so tight. Uh, and you've taken some scalps, including that of the Nottingham Panthers. Um, what would your objective be this year? What are you looking to do uh, this season? I think, yeah, I think it's tough. I don't think we envisioned ourselves being intent, but um, at the same time, like you said, it, it is so so tight. But you know, three points the other way, and you're 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 propping everyone up. So, it, yeah. Um, I yeah, but I think you know, I think we obviously we want to get back into into a playoff position and 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 get in, up in that you know mid table and and go from there and see what happens. I mean, there's still a lot of hockey to be played, and you know, one weekend you could be in. 10th and next week and you can be an 8th and then you know you can move on we just like I said that we just want to try to get get on a bit of a run here but it, it's difficult you know with the league being so good and it, it's it's difficult to, to find wins um, for us right now for everybody you know and so we just you know got to take it game by game with the old cliche but we just you know we just want to put in good performances and, and start with that and, and if we can get playing to a level where we we're playing consistently you know to a to a standard we want our guys and our game to play then you know the wins will, will slowly follow i believe but we just got to find some consistency within our game we we got a great team uh we've shown it at times we're just not showing it enough and, and not for 60 minutes in a lot of games so you know we've got a lot a lot of positives to work on we just it's just we just really want it to come together here for for us and for the guys and our fans yeah, and I mean, I guess the Manchester Storm are, are a team kind of in transition at the moment. The, the new new ownership took over ahead of the 2017-18 season. You were appointed head coach following the departure of, of Neil Russell and Omar Pacha. I mean, I've been around long enough to know that success doesn't happen overnight in hockey. Um, in your opinion, what do the next few years have in store for the club? Yeah, I think... I think it's exciting. I think, you know, I think this year has been tough on, on a lot of teams uh, throughout our league. I think we've seen a lot of teams are, are struggling to get get bodies in. I, you know, I think 
it's a bit weird. Last year we had such a almost a Cinderella season and everything just went so smoothly and it's almost like we're paying for it now this year <laughs> where everything seems to be a bit everything seems to be a bit more difficult and and you know you're not you're not things aren't going your way and you know but that's sport and life and like touching back on Matchka you used to dwell on these things and then you kind of you know, you kind of figure out what actually is important in life and and so we're we're trying to stay real positive here but we we need to make some changes we need to you know we need to from an organization standpoint we got to get people back in the building we got you know and i my my thing is winning kind of cures almost everything and yeah. you know but you can't guarantee wins here so it's exciting it's a challenge um you know it's a big challenge but it's it we're having a lot of fun and and we're trying to come up with new ways and you know obviously we don't have the the SSE arena to, to fall back on. So it, it can get a bit more difficult, but, um, you know, but in another sense, it's, it's always, I find when you go to games in Ultram, it's, it's usually exciting because you're right on top of it. It's small pad. Something's always happening. And, you know, so, you know, I think for us, you know, we want to get through this year and we want to kind of get back in that mid table race and then, um, and see and, and have a strong finish. And, uh, and then carry that into into what would be our third year here, and 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 grow uh, however we can and wherever we can. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's it's a bit more difficult when the league is continuously changing. You know, I think the conferencing we've seen how much that does help. Yeah. Um, last year, especially the teams, and it keeps everybody competitive. But um, but you know, we got to roll with whatever whatever is handed to us, and you know, we got to be we we just need to be better right now. We just all around. I think uh, on the ice, off the ice, we just want to be a better organization and a better club. And, and I think uh, I think we will that will happen. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely an exciting era for the Storm and, and the league in general. So, look, Coach, I won't take up any much uh, any more of your time. Sorry, I really appreciate it, and we look forward to to an exciting weekend yeah. of hockey. Travel safe, and we'll see you in Belfast. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me on. Right, those two games against Manchester says we know we talked about them earlier on um, briefly. Uh, what are you expecting? Four points. Boys are coming back. Uh, looking forward to Christmas. Uh, they're getting three days off after it. I don't think. Um, you know they've got a good couple of days off this week. They played Saturday, Sunday. They're taking Monday, Tuesday off. They're going to get back on the ice Wednesday morning. Um, you know they've played a lot of hockey of late. Uh, I know they're getting three days off next week. Um, you know to, to take in Christmas. Uh, so a lot of them bringing family over this year and and they're back on the ice again on I think it's Boxing Day. Uh, so you know I, I think. That Adam's going to expect four points out of them this weekend. They've already beat Manchester twice um, in Manchester this year, uh, so it's about time that uh, we get them back to the SSE Arena, pick up maximum points, and go into Christmas with a big smile face. Two home games, David. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a rarity, but uh, but a welcome one. Absolutely, hoping to be maybe even present at both of them. You never know. Um, flying back to the motherland. And uh, today or yesterday, depending on who's listening to this, but um, um, hoping to be there, maybe even join Sis for a wee bit. Who knows? Don't count your chickens just yet, <laughs> It's the first of seven. Don't, don't mug me off. You asked me. <laughs> I know. I, I might be an Indian giver and just take it back. <laughs> it's the first of seven games at home for the Belfast Jazz, two against the Storm, then the MK Lightning, Glasgow Clan, Dundee Stars, and then a double header against the Sheffield Steelers before, I guess, three more games in a, in Continental Cup competition come mid-January. So a nice little run before we visit the Viola Arena in uh in on the nineteenth of January. So yes, two games against the Manchester Storm Friday and Saturday, seven PM for both. Get yourself down there. And if you can't, 
then get yourself on the Belfast Giants TV where you'll hear from Sis and maybe Davy if he's not if he's not mugged off by by Simon. Um, any other business chance? I've got well, actually, I've got a couple, but you go got on. one, Davy? Yeah, I do. Well, one on yours. You go ahead first. I would like to thank the people that get in touch with us um, every week via you don't know where this is going, Patrick. Via Twitter, Facebook, all those things, and I know we often ask for you know old school email us podcast at Kingdom Giants. We always get them. I'd like to thank a guy called David Campbell who's emailed me three times this week, but I'd like to ask that he stops emailing me. The first invitation was for a table um, for for ten at the Ireland England rugby. This is a hockey podcast, but a very reasonable six thousand nine hundred ninety nine. <laughs> we jacked that request, but he came back twenty one grand. We bit rich for my blood, and his final offer today a five k bonanza. Felt wrong, but we'll we'll, um, we'll just say, David, we're not coming to rugby. We don't have five grand to spend on rugby tickets. But thank you for getting in touch with us here, and you also can at podcast at Kingdom of Jam. Was that yeah. I did, did I did, haven't seen those? Have they come through the podcast account? Yeah, oh, three <laughs> with like the, the middle table. Where is it, Paddy? As we get closest. Closer to the biggest rivalry of 2019, things just get better and better. We have had a private box for 24 guests become available at the Viva Stadium for the Ireland v England Six Nations Games fixture taking place on the 2nd of February. We can <laughs> offer you guys at Kingdom of the Giants this private box for 24 people, full hospitality for just £21,000, brackets plus VAT, um, which is a great price for this sold out game. You will get an early admission. Um, hospitality in a glass fronted box overlooking the pitch, but I'd like to think it's overlooking the pitch. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, <laughs> no pitch view. You know, you know half time drinks <laughs> and a program and a guest wallet. It would need to be a guest wallet with twenty and a half thousand pounds on it <laughs> to make me go for that. But um, there'll also be a celebrity guest speaker, which um, allegedly could be Simon Kitchen. So um, <laughs> worth every uh, one of the twenty one thousand pounds. You'll need to be quick. This won't be available long. Drop me a line. Nah, you're all right. Uh, dear, I, didn't, I hadn't actually seen that. Well, let's start a crowdfunder and see if we can get ourselves to that game. Just the three of us. So the four of us get you on. Anything with says? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, congratulations to Caitlin Morrison. Oh, um, oh, 15-year-old being selected for the GB World Cup. Sorry, World Championship under 18 team. A, a phenomenal effort. I know she's putting everything she's got. Um, into uh, being a hockey player in, in over in Canada, and, and again she's back in Belfast. You know the Rev and uh, uh, Granny Mo went over and picked her up this week to bring her back for Christmas, and I'm sure she'll enjoy her time with the Mo train and, and uh, Caitlin and uh, Young Justy as well. So fantastic uh, effort from Caitlin. And the second one, I think, uh, but speaking behalf of us all, I just seen a tweet on uh, Matt Davies. Um, being diagnosed with cancer, Matt Davies said one of the reporters for the Nottingham Panthers. Not often we we wear any positivity against the Nottingham Panthers. Matt's a real good lad. I've, yeah. I've, I've bumped into him a few times in Nottingham at, mm-hmm. at the games, and real nice fella. Um, and I was you know saying that he's been diagnosed with cancer. It's just absolutely horrendous. Hopefully he fights it and, and is back uh, fighting. Um, not so hard against the Giants, obviously, uh, but for the Nottingham Panthers and on their media side of things for BBC. Very, very soon. Real, real good lad. And, and uh, sorry to see your thoughts with him and his family as he hopefully recovers uh, fully and uh, back uh, at the arena very shortly. Here, here, Matt Davis, not imposed a really good lad and does a lot of hard work for 
Minari and Panthers and the media side of the Emmett it's that nobody no doubt he's got the strength and the backing from the entirety of the Elite League and, and all their fan base. So we wish him well as he goes to battle what is a a terrible disease that at some point or sometime touches us all with regards to friends or family. So um good luck to him. Uh if that's that then gents, is that a, is that all we got? Yeah. For that's all I got, Paddy. All right. In which case, then, we'll say thank you very much to Jonathan Furland for coming and joining us and to Ryan Finnerty and uh, to uh, whoever it was that we got from the um, from training or you're going to get a training tomorrow, says. You'll notice that this podcast has gone out a little later, and if you're listening to it now, you'll know exactly why because we're just going to wait for those interviews to come in before we put out the podcast. So thank you for your patience. Um and thanks to everybody for contacting us on Twitter and Facebook and, and all that sort of stuff. Thank you very much for your questions to the fan agenda for uh, for Jonathan Furland. The two games this weekend against the Manchester Storm on Friday and Saturday at 7pm at the SSE Arena. Get yourself down there or follow them on Belfast Giants TV. Uh, this is the last show before Christmas, so I'd like to wish everybody a very peaceful, safe and happy Christmas. Uh, the next show we'll probably record on the 27th. Um, so prior to the game against Milton Keynes Lightning on the 28th but until then Merry Christmas David and a Merry Christmas to you Simon Merry Christmas gentlemen hope you have a great one and uh, we'll look forward to seeing we debut at the arena this weekend and hopefully probably soon yeah happy Christmas everybody see you at the rink and wherever you are this weekend and wherever the next week again we hope you have a great Christmas and uh, we'll hope to see you here next time on a view from the bridge Podcast Network.